Welcome to the Fit for Success podcast with your host, me, Archie Gravener. This is the podcast that combines the worlds of fitness, success, and entrepreneurship to empower you on your own journey of greatness. On this journey, you're going to be meeting some incredibly interesting people and hearing some incredibly interesting backstories. So you can take the lessons, you can take the insights from these conversations and implement it into your own life. One thing I'd ask for anyone listening to this, if you enjoy what you listen to, please share it on social media. Tell your friends, tell your family. It means more to me than you know. Wally, welcome to the podcast, my friend. It's great to have you on, man. How, how are you doing? Very well. Thank you very much for inviting me on to this podcast. I'm very honoured to be here, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's an honour to have you on, man. Like <laughs> We have amazing conversations and amazing chats when they're not recorded. So I think that's why this is going to be a good one. And like you're a really interesting man behind what people see on the outset as well. Um, so I guess that's where we'll start. Mm. Uh, who is the man behind the physique? Who is who is Wale? So my name is Wale Adesamoy, born in Lagos, Nigeria, 1980. Came to the UK after my parents got divorced in 1985. Um, spent the best, best part of my life growing up in London, uh, most of it in Fulham with my mum and five sisters and a brother. Um, you know, I started applying. Well, let's rewind back a little bit. So when I was growing up, it was really challenging for my mum to raise seven kids, but times were really, really hard. So I found myself in playing football. So I played football for a local side called Brunswick, which was very enjoyable. This is where I met, met most of my childhood friends. Uh, it was a local youth club in Fulham called Brunswick, So, and I played Thunder League football for them. But I was lucky enough to be invited to play for Chelsea until um, I was about 16. Then I got released because I had bad attitude, but I did have bad attitude because the fact is I just didn't know what I wanted from life. I just, I thought I'd be a professional football player, but I wasn't good enough to be a professional footballer. I didn't have the discipline that was required. Um, fast forward a few years, I decided I wanted to join London Fire Brigade from the age of 18, after one of my friends joined and I started applying for the Fire Brigade in 1998. My first application form went into the London Fire Brigade. Um, I was still playing football, um, still training. I started training from the age of 12, it was just summer 1992. Um, still lifting weights, enjoyed it to make me stronger on the football pitch because I was just a weakling on the football pitch, really. Um, and then got into London Fire Brigade uh, in 19, well, 2000, 2000, I got into London Fire Brigade and was the best thing that ever happened to me because it taught me an element of discipline and everything else that I was missing and really helped me propel my life to where it is today. Um, the reason it took me two, well, it took me three attempts to get into London Fire Brigade, which I'll touch on is I suffer from dyslexia, so something that I've always been embarrassed of, and I find it really hard to process written information. And the reason why I really was embarrassed was because I come from a very academic family. So all my family, my sisters, my mother, they were very academic, very smart, all went university, all had very good jobs, you know, and I just felt like the dumb one of the family. Mm. <laughs> you know, I just felt like the stupid one of the family that could never understand something. So that forced me to excel in other ways. So, you know, it forced me to excel in my sport. So I really worked really hard in my training because I just felt that I just wasn't good enough in all aspects of life. So I think for me, it was really, really hard to find myself um, early on in my life because I just felt lost. And it was very difficult for me to kind of find the direction I wanted to go in. I was very unsure about my life and what direction I wanted to go in. But what the fire brigade gave me, the fire brigade gave me a little bit of a sense of belonging. Mm. You know, you, you came, you're part of this organization, a massive organization, and you're a firefighter. 
You know, you, you know, you tell people you're five, and they're like, wow, you're a firefighter. I can't believe I've never met a firefighter. So it gave me a sense of belonging, which was quite nice. But I just felt like for me, through my life experience so far, I just felt I still don't feel good enough. I still got to work that little bit extra to be the person I want to be. So the person I am today is a mixture of the things that I've experienced through my life and the struggles that I've gone through. Mm. You know, so I think, you know, a lot of people that see me and see this big guy you know, put together, you know, always smiling, you know, always feeling confident within himself in the gym and the environment that I feel comfortable in. Um, I do have my flaws and cracks like mm. we all do in life. You know, certain aspects of my life, I don't think it's perfect. I guess I'm very critical of myself like most people. Yeah. But yeah, I think for me, that's what, you know, that's what my struggle is. Mm. And how much of your drive now is still from that insecurity that was being the dumb one, uh, not being the academic one in the family. How much of that is still driving you today? Everything I do is still part of that drive. Mm. Every time I wake up in the morning and I go, I've got to train in the morning, like 6 a.m., I always feel like you've got to do this to prove that you're good enough to win another world title. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so interesting to hear, man, because <laughs> you know I mean? anyone watching this podcast is like looking at the size of your biceps, like you're a very good looking man as well. <laughs> you look like you've got everything together. And then like to hear that it's driven from insecurity is like pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so that's really, really, really interesting to hear. And do, do you feel, uh, you mentioned about the, the being released from Chelsea Football Club at mm. 16 years old. Do you feel like that has a big part to play in where you are today as well? Because to hear that you, you lacked discipline it's like it's the opposite of the man that I know didn't know yeah. now I think being released at an early age I just had no father figure to guide me you know it's very mm. difficult when you're a young man um growing up with just a mother and five sisters and a brother my brother was never around um my brother's like 11 years older than me so you know he was never around um, by the time I was five years old you know he was 16 so I never really saw him um so I just lived with my sisters and my mother and I had no sort of male sort of guidance. And I think one of the things that we don't realize within our society today, how important that male role model is for um, a boy, a young lad growing up. Because for me, I think if I would have had my father in the picture, the, the trajectory of my life may have been different to what it is today, you know? So I just felt like I didn't have the discipline to be like on the football pitch. If someone said something to me, someone like abused me racially racially like called me names on a, on a football pitch I just want to hit them mm. you know I, that was you know so they know that even though I was I was alright football player but I wasn't good enough on the discipline aspects because you know they know they can take me out of the game by just insulting me mm. you know if you're playing a team and they know that, that you're they can see the, the weakness in your armour they'll just keep aiming for that and that's what happened and I think that sort of lack of discipline that I had on the football pitch, I got it from the London Fire Brigade. Mm. The London Fire Brigade, because you can't do that, you'll just lose your job. And you, you know, if you've got, you're, you basically, if you're ordered to do something, you just carry on, you, you do it. Mm. You know, the Fire Brigade is based on sort of like naval background, you know, so it's all about ordering you to do something. You have to be able to follow orders and instructions. They're not like, can you please go and stack that shelf and put some tins and beans on that shelf because we're running low? is can you please put your BA set on and go and rescue that family that is in that Buenum building and do it efficiently 
making sure you're safe, making sure your colleague's safe, making sure we get those people out of the burning building. You know, there isn't a time to have a, a, a debate about the instruction you've been given is really go and do it. And that taught me an element of, I like that because I can just, just been told, go and do that because someone's life is at risk. I really like that element. And I think being released from Chelsea Football Club really broke my heart and just made me lose interest in football for a long time. And I was just playing football for the sake of playing football. I never really had an interest in football. Um, but I think for me, it's just, I realised that I didn't have good enough discipline. So I became more disciplined with my training. You know, that's where, so the discipline that I've got today comes from, one, the London Fire Brigade, the organisation that I work for. Two, the fact that I'm really, really focused on my training. I just don't feel like I'm good enough to, to win world titles. And I just got to keep working hard enough harder than my competitors because I just feel like no you're not going to be ready in time you're not going to be ready in time and I'm like keep pushing keep pushing so there's a, a level of insecurity within me of it stems from always questioning am I good enough to do this thing that I'm doing am I good enough to win this title that I've won for the last four years <laughs> so I think that's where it all stems from really so how long do you think that'll, that'll go on for? Like, obviously, past four years, world champion. Mm. Uh, how, how long is that going to go on for? When are you going to retire? <laughs> I think for me is I'm finding, I really find a good enjoyment from having a, something to focus on. So I think when I stop loving the preparation and the journey, then I'll quit. So how long is it going to go on for? I don't know. How long, how long is a piece of string? For me, I think when I stop enjoying what I'm doing, I think I'll stop completely competing. Mm. But I still have the passion to wake up every morning and work on the best project I've ever been given. That's me as a person, not just physically, mentally, and be a better person every day. Yeah, I love that, man. Mm. I love that. And how, how do you think someone that's listening to this, potentially a reflection of you when you were 16 years old, uh, that's lacking discipline, that's in that position that you were, maybe has those insecurities, if there's someone like that listening, whether that's 16 years old or 25, what, what's a bit of advice that you could give them to, to create that discipline? I think like discipline to me is doing the things that you don't want to do, you know, because you, you on a regular basis doing the things that you do not want to do, but you're doing it. So if I say to myself, I'm going to wake up at 6am tomorrow morning, then my alarm goes off and I feel like I'm going to lie in bed to 6.30. Then that's an element of lack of discipline to me so I think if you're going to be you're trying to develop discipline you've got to make a promise to yourself and keep that promise you know it's like if you say that you're going to get up at 6am you get up at 6am if you say you're going to train four days a week you train four days a week if you say that you're going to clean up your diet then you clean up your diet and if you don't know how to do something something that you can always reach out for help I know there's like you know, when I was training and I was coming up in, in the bodybuilding world or in the fitness world, there was no social media. You know, there was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. There was no, there was nothing. There was no TikTok. You have so much information out there, which is free on most people's Instagram page that you can implement. I mean, what I would say is just get yourself a notebook and just write down the elements that you want to improve and the elements where you lack discipline and where you want to improve this because you can't say I'm going to be disciplined in everything I do you know it's hard because discipline sometimes is almost like it's almost like you're like a, a mobile phone you know you start the morning with a full charge 
as we all know, we wake up in the morning, we, most of us charge our phone overnight when we shouldn't be doing so. <laughs> um, but we wake up with a full charge on our mobile phone. But throughout the day, as our, as our mobile phone is used for messaging, emails, phone calls, that battery life is going down. So that discipline that you're gonna try and apply may be going down because when you're feeling tired, when you're, you know, you, you make bad decision on, on, on choices of your food, because you're hungry. So you might be like, right, I'm not gonna eat any bad food, but then you're like, I'm hungry. Mm. And you reach for that something that's pretty sugary snack, you know, junk food, because it's easy, because you can just go into the super, or go into the supermarket, pick up a sandwich, pick up a packet of crisps, pick up a fizzy drink. And you know, that's a meal deal for people these days. And, but you've got to make a decision and stick to that decision. But what you don't wanna be doing is making a decision when you're tired. Yeah, 100%. That's a massive bit of advice that I give to mm. our clients. Obviously, yeah. we work with very busy people, entrepreneurs. They don't really get a minute in the day. It's just like, if you want to change something, get it out of the way in the morning mm. um, because of that battery life is going to be ruined at the end of the day. And you, who makes good decisions when they're tired? I know I don't. Um, so if, if you get to the end of the day and you're starving hungry, you're going to go for something that's quick and easy and convenient. And if you haven't sort of prepared for that, it, it makes it really hard to be disciplined. Mm. Um so for, for me, discipline isn't just like an attitude. It's it's also your preparation, your planning, your behaviors around that whole day as well, um, which I, I think is super important. And, and something that you just touched on there, uh, I, th I think it comes comes back to confidence is um, that that discipline that you have and doing what you say you're going to do. Like you said, if you wake, if you say you're going to wake up at six a.m., do it. If you say you're going to start training, do it. If you say you're going to clean up your diet, do it. That's what creates confidence. I think mm. people always think that confidence comes from having abs and being lean or having having big muscles. I think confidence comes on that journey uh, from actually doing what you're saying you're going to do because you you, you build that trust with yourself. Um, because if, if you keep on saying that you're going to do something and then you and then you don't do it, mm. that's breaking that contract, um, which which I think yeah super interesting. I think you, what you just touched on there at the end is a contract. So when I look at things, I think you've got to make a contract with yourself and certain people is like, when you, when you go to work, you sign a contract. You sign a contract that you're gonna turn up on time, you're gonna wear this uniform. I know I did anyway with London Fire Brigade, um, you know, and you're gonna work for X amount of years, you know, to get your pension. So that contract that you sign, we sign contracts all the time with our employers, with, you know, with businesses that we sign up for, you know, for our online coaching service, we our clients sign in for a three months, four months, six months contract. So why can't you design a contract for yourself in regards to the things that you want to achieve? Because, you know, what, what people see these days is they see success, but they don't see the journey. And I think this is very important to take on board. The journey is what's the most important part. The destination of success is not what's important. It's the journey that you go through to get you to where you need to be. So when it comes to discipline, that journey of getting up at 6 a.m. every morning and going to the gym before you go into work, if you know you've got a busy day and you've got a young family to go home to, that's what's gonna really sustain you as an individual, if you sign a contract yourself, you're going to get up in the morning, you're going to go to the gym three times a week, and you're going to eat. You're going to eat clean. 
simple little three three step. It doesn't have to be a good and you sign it with yourself. Your name, your signature on it, just like you sign a contract of work, and you do not break that contract because what people do is they want to achieve success, but they do not want to go like go through the hard work to get to the destination. They want to see the view from the top of the mountain, but they do not want to climb the mountain to get to the top. Mm. <laughs> they want a helicopter to the top of the mountain, <laughs> which is not possible. So I think what I look at in people is human psychology. We behave very different based on the way we see things or we think we basically, one of the best quote I love till today is don't compare someone else's chapter 10 to your chapter one. And that's what we have because of social media. Social media is showing people achieving great things, but what you've got to focus on is you. What do I need to do to get to where I need to get to? Mm. Physically, mentally, emotionally, to be fitter, to be a better husband, to be a better wife, to be you know a better son. What do I need to do daily? Yeah, I think as well, like what I always say to uh, guys and girls that come to us is not what do I need to do, it's who do, who do I need to become? Yes. Um, I, I think that's like one of the most important things in behavior change, uh, whether that's for business or whether it's fitness, whatever it is, whatever part of life it is, mm. it's who, who do I need to become? Because if you still believe you're a person that's not disciplined and you still kind of identify as this like undisciplined, unmotivated person, even if you, you do those things, they're just going to be short term. Yes. Uh, because that is still your identity. It's like a uh, someone who's smoking saying, I'm trying to give up smoking. Mm. If, if they say I'm a non-smoker, they're a lot less, uh, a lot more likely to quit. Yeah. Um, there's actually uh, studies on that. Um, so I think it's actually like the identity shift as well and the ident identity change. Um, where, where do you think that happened for you? Uh, again, is it... Um, was was the identity shift like very early on? Uh, is is there still part of it going on today? I think the identity 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 shift happened for me when I read one of the greatest books I've ever read in my life, which was Atomic Habit, and it's something that you know some of the things that you mentioned. You know, I remember reading that in that book. You know, um, so when it comes to you know, say for example, quitting spoken, if you say you know. I don't smoke anymore, you're more likely to reach for a cigarette again. But if you say, I'm not a smoker, you're less likely to reach for a cigarette. So for me, I learned a lot from reading that book. So it's a book that I listen to and read every single year without fail because just things that I missed from it. So I think is you talking about an identity shift is if you want to become fit, again, you think, what would a fit person do? You know, if you want to become, you know, discipline you you ask yourself what would a disciplined person do you know rather than just expecting to be disciplined by just doing things ad hoc without really thinking right this is what i need to do on a daily day basis to be the person i want to become so yeah. i like that in regards to identity identity shift because i think a lot of people do not think about you know identity you know at the end of the day if you identify yourself as a fit person then you're not going to do what a non-fit person would do. You, 100%. you know, you're not going to skip your workout. Mm. You know, again, 
you're not gonna if you like the like the size of your arms, you're never gonna miss an arm day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's simple like that, isn't it? I don't want to look at my arms like yeah. <laughs> life's too short to have small arms, so you're never gonna miss an arm day, that's for sure. If you like the size of your arms. But yeah, it's just you know, I love that identity shift. So for me, I I learned a lot from actually reading and listening to books. So I absorb information, written information very slow. So what I've got to do when I'm actually reading a physical book, one thing I've learned and I still do to today is I will buy the physical book and I'll buy the audible and I'll listen to the audible at, at the same time as I'm reading along with it. If I'm at home, if I'm in the car, I'll continue listen, listening to the audible and pick up where I am within the physical book on the audible. So, so pick up where I am in the audible, sorry, excuse me, in the physical book. Mm. So, I've learned a lot from that. So I, I think when it comes to that identity shift, I've still, I'm a, I'm a working project. <laughs> mm -hmm. I've, I think uh, you're completely right. Atomic Habits is like an incredible book. I think, yeah. I think why that book is so incredible is because you can take five things from it that you can just implement straight away. Whereas like a lot of these personal development books, they're sometimes a bit mumbo jumbo and they don't have like, this is what you need to do. One, two, three action steps. Mm. Whereas Atomic Habits has that written out for you. Um, so it's super, super useful Useful for anyone listening. Go go buy that book. Definitely. I, I've read that about five times as well myself. Yeah. Um, like you say, you always, you always forget little bits as well. Um, I'm, I'm right in saying that you were part of a TV show. Um, yes. <laughs> a, a long while back as well. Is that where you gained like quite a lot of your following from or is that through the... I think a lot of the following came through. Obviously, a lot of people still recognize me from the TV show Last Man Standing. Uh, so Last Man Standing, for those of you people that don't understand what it was, is they took six Westerners, three from the UK, three from the US, and we basically traveled the world and lived and compete on the toughest tribes. We basically lived with the toughest tribes on the planet and competed on their tribal sport. So whatever that may be. So we went from stick fighting in Ethiopia with the Suri tribe. Then we went to Burkina Faso. We was wrestling in Burkina Faso. We went to Nepal. We went to Bhutan. We went to in Indonesia. We went to Siberia. We went to the Philippines. We went to India. We went to Papua New Guinea. So we went everywhere. And we spent a year filming that TV show. So a lot of my social media following comes from that. And a lot of it also from the bodybuilding world. Um, you know, I spent 10 years as well working with um, a nutritional company, Maxi Muscle. So I was sponsored by them. So I did a lot of sort of like ads for them. So, you know, people recognized me from, you know, TV ads that was put out from the from the uh, protein company, also magazine ads that was put out as well. So I think that's where my recognition, my recognition comes from. But like I said, you know, that to me is just, I want people to know me for me. Mm. You know, I just think you know, like I liked people to look at me as an individual, and the first thing they're probably going to think was, "Oh my god, I'm scared." <laughs> yeah, we, we, were saying, <laughs> Do you know we were saying this just before we started recording, weren't we? Yeah. Um, for any for anyone listening to this, we were just downstairs at a podcast studio, and a Uber driver or, or an Uber. Um, delivery guy walked past and stared you up and down for about five minutes yeah. <laughs> looking terrified yeah looking very terrified Whereas anyone that gets to know you you are the least intimidating guy ever like you're the kindest kindest man i've ever met i think um so do you think that's like ever had an impact on perhaps like your career uh maybe even family relationships stuff like that i think like obviously within the london fire brigade is the um it's very difficult because it's a professional outfit we're a professional organization so i think a lot of people so the problem you have is if you raise your voice and you are a big black guy sorry to be so blunt about it 
you might be deemed aggressive, you know, or, you know, out of control. And I think one of the things that I, I got from the organisation quite a lot is you're aggressive, you're... So you have to revisit things and behave in a different way. Um, I think a lot of people are intimidated when they first meet me um, because they haven't spoken to me. But it goes that back to that old, old, old saying, never judge a book by its cover. So I think, you know, when, when you meet someone, give them, give them an opportunity before you judge them. You know, don't judge them based on just the exterior because I think, I think I'd, if I was to meet myself, would I be intimidated? No, because I know myself. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting because like people listening to this, um, I know myself. I've previously struggled uh, with gym anxiety, so mm. before I started hitting the gym, I used to look at guys like you in the gym and be like, "Fuck, this is terrifying. <laughs> I don't want to go over to the weight section. I'd walk straight out." Um, but and then again, like actually knowing you and knowing the guy behind the big biceps, mm. so there's no reason to be intimidated. And I think that's like a lesson that anyone that does struggle with that can just take. It's like you're still just a guy. You're a nice guy. You're just bigger than most people. <laughs> I think a lot of people, um, when it comes to insecurity itself, it comes from within. That sort of anxiety that you say that you have in regards to going to the free weights area. Um, I think a lot of guys out there, a lot of females out there have that anxiety. You know, they go into the gym. I see it a lot in my gym where they'll come into the free weights area, they'll grab a pair of dumbbells and they'll go and hide in the corner and do their workout. I think what you got to do is remember that you're actually working on the best project you've ever been given in the in the environment that you're going to make the most progression. Anyone that's within that environment that does not respect the project that you're working on, you know, shouldn't be in that environment in my eyes. Yeah. No matter how big they are, no matter how they look. So the anxiety that you have as an individual is based on your perceived experience, what's what's going to happen. So you're processing information, you know, and you're anxious about how people are going to look at you or speak to you because of the way you look. And yes, guys that are in the gym that are big like myself, yes, we look intimidating. Yes, we make a lot of noise when we're lifting. But if you was to talk to people like myself in a gym environment, they're probably the most nicest people you'll ever meet. They'll be more than happy to help you. So I think one of the things I want people to take away from listening to this podcast is if you're in that sort of situation where you're grabbing a dumbbell and you're running to the corners to do your workout, don't be, you know, go in the gym and enjoy working on the best project you've ever been given. Mm. Use the bench, use the squat rack, you know, use the leg press. Don't feel intimidated that guy's going to look at you. Yes, there's some creeps out there that are going to look at you, but, you know, they're very minimal amount that are going to stare at you and keep staring at you because you're in the free weights area. You know, yeah. go in there and enjoy working on the best product you've ever been given, male or female, if you're suffering from gym anxiety. It's, it's so true that, um, yes, it's, it's so true that if you just tackle it head on, it almost wipes that anxiety out like straight away because... I think whether it's gym anxiety or just normal anxiety, what, what anxiety is, like you say, is you, you're making up stories that haven't happened in the future. Mm. And then if you just like write your own story, get a pen and paper out and get into the gym, <laughs> um, that, it goes away because you realise it's it's not actually scary. Um, I, I love that you're referring to like the best project you've ever been given as your body as well. I think this is something with our clients uh, we're, we're always talking about because 
our clients, again, business owners, successful. Some of our clients are, are multi, multi-millionaires. And yet there's that piece missing. Mm. Um, and typically that piece missing is actually their health and fulfillment and day-to-day. Maybe it's a balance between everything. It's looking good. It's feeling good. And one thing I always say is like, what does success actually mean to, to these to these guys? Because I think it's so easy to think success if I said, what, what does success look like? It's so easy to just think that that means a nice car, a fancy watch, a lot of money in the bank. And those things are great. But if you still don't actually work on the best project you've ever been given, your, your body, your physique, your health, you have absolutely nothing. Like if, if, if your health leaves tomorrow, mm. you, you have nothing. It's like when, when you have a blocked nose, the only thing that you, you want is an unblocked nose, right? Exactly. Uh, so exactly. If, if, uh, if, if you get to a position where that obviously gets, gets worse, you realize what's actually important. But I, I, I love what you touched on in regards to your clients being multimillionaires and having money in the bank, you know, and that's really good. And, you know, one thing I always use, the analogy that I use is that, you know, yes, you've got money in the bank. You can go out and buy a nice car tomorrow. You can go and buy a nice house tomorrow. You can go and buy a nice watch tomorrow. You can't go out and buy a nice body tomorrow. You've got to earn it. So one of the things that I will always say is that the reason why it's a project is the development of you as an individual is an ongoing project. It's not something that you're just going to get to a point and feel like, okay, I've done everything that I need to do now. I don't need to train anymore or I don't need to diet anymore. Even for me, you know, I've been training for almost 32 years now, you know, and I still feel that I'm still learning every day and it's a project. So I always take the, the advantage of when I train with anybody that is in a successful place that I believe in the successful place, you know, I just finished training with Andrew Jack, you know, he's a very big bodybuilder. Everybody knows him. He's been on the Olympia stage, you know, just most recently on the Arnie, on the Arnold stage, Arnold classic stage. So I used the opportunity to pick his brain during a session. You know, I asked some questions like, you know, how many exercises do you do for back? You know, even though I've been training for 32 years, I still ask questions. So I think when you look at things, money in the bank, buying whatever you want, to me, it's, it's, it, it does relieve the stress. Finance does relieve the stress. But when it comes to your body, you know, that fulfillment of happiness and joy, as the old saying goes, health is wealth. And you cannot get your health, you know, from anybody, anything other than working on it. Yeah, it's, it's so, so, so true. Um, and that's, it's not to downplay finances because um, if, if you're anything like me, I like money. <laughs> uh, but without, without that health, you, you truly don't, you don't have wealth. You don't have, you don't have anything. Um, and I think it's, it's super interesting that, like you say, you can't just go out and buy it. I mean, you, you can go buy bicep implants or you can go buy ab implants or mm. BBL, whatever it is. Mm. Uh, and, and, and people do this, whether it is like a BBL or whatever, um, or it's a case of like going and buying a fancy car. I feel like a hell of a lot of people do that to try and cover up the, the real issue, which is confidence. Um, so they're always trying to get that confidence from external places, but I can say firsthand, and you'll be able to as well, that confidence is gonna come, come from that journey. It's what we touched on earlier. It, it's not that end position. Even if you give most people perfect health, physique tomorrow, that confidence won't just come it, it, because that confidence is earned, right? Uh, for, throughout that process, I think. I think when you touch on confidence, I think one of the things as well is that um, a lot of people have it. The the lack of confidence come from the the sort of 
the criticism that they give themselves and the comparison that they make, you know, with themselves to others. So, you know, it'd be like, oh, she's more attractive than me. Oh, she's got, you know, a better bum than me or a better body than me. So, you know, or he's got bigger biceps than me. And that comparison then constantly puts you down, you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in a bad spot. So this is another thing that I would always say that don't compare yourself to people. You know, it's really difficult, but don't compare yourself to people because you don't know their struggles. Everyone has their own struggles. So I think when it comes to confidence, we all have element of lack of confidence, but there's different levels, you know, but you just got to keep working on you as an individual and just asking the questions, you know, what can I do to improve my confidence? Is there anything else I can do? You know, maybe therapy. You know, I'm a big fan of therapy because the reason I say I'm a big fan of therapy because I think when you get an opportunity to actually speak to someone about your struggles, you know, the stories doesn't, they're not that bad. But when you're making up the stories in your head, it, it, it just looks like a mountain rather than it's just a hill. You're just climbing a hill. You know, if you keep making up the stories in your head, it just becomes a mountain, not a hill. So I just think... You know, I'll definitely recommend if you're lacking in confidence in any aspect of your life, working yourself physically and working yourself mentally. So if, if, if it's therapy that you need to do, to, do um, to speak to someone about your actual mental health and your lack of confidence, get that out, express yourself, articulate yourself in a good way so you can have a better understanding to you as an individual. Because once you have a better understanding to you as an individual, then it'll be a lot easier to build the confidence that you need within yourself to achieve the things that you want to achieve. Yeah, I think even uh, we're the same with your clients, but with our clients as well, like the conversations that we have, when people actually hear them sort of speaking about things, they kind of figure it out. So it's like that, that ther therapy, I guess, is you figuring it out yourself and just having someone uh, facilitate that journey, right? Um, so I, I worked with uh, a mental performance coach um which uh, he's also a licensed therapist and i didn't do that because i was in a really bad spot i was just so inquisitive about what it was like and mm. my god was it helpful like i i didn't know myself completely and i think actually like going through that process and finding out about yourself is is so so valuable for every every as aspect of your life as well um yeah, one, one thing I want to touch on with you as well uh because people listening to this with your intro like four-time world champion bodybuilder train however many times a week, build that kind of physique, London firefighter, a very successful business. How the fuck do you do it? <laughs> Man, I, like in all honesty, like I love what I do. You know, like I said, I joined the fire brigade. I started applying for London fire brigade at age of 18. You know, I managed to get in at the age of 20. You know, I'm now been in the London fire service for 23 years. Um, you know, obviously with my bodybuilding, I started bodybuilding, I started bodybuilding in 2014. Um, you know, I won my first show, I won my first world title in 2018, second world title 2019. We all know what happened in 2020, something called COVID happened, there was no competition. So I won another world title 2021, another one world title in 2022. Um, and obviously I run an online coaching business, which I'm very passionate about. In all honesty, when it comes to managing myself, I really don't know how I do it, but I feel like I'm just making up as I go along. It sounds really bad to say that, but I do have a structure in place because, you know, I know when I'm going to be at the fire station working and I know when I'm going to be off 
at home and focusing on clients and giving my clients feedback and doing check-ins and things like that. For me, I like helping people, so I, I still appreciate being in the fire service because I feel like I'm helping people in times of need. My business is my baby. Like, that's literally my baby. That's literally my baby. Like, it's not even about the money for me anymore. You know, when I first started the business Precision Performance Coaching, it was all about working with anybody that will pay me. Now, I wouldn't work with you just because you're going to give me the money that I need. I'll work with you if you've got the mass approach that we utilize. That's the mindset, the action, and the system and support. You've got to come with the right mindset, the willingness to take action every day with your training, with your nutrition, with your lifestyle, that we will give you the system and support that you need. And then in regards to the bodybuilding, I love training. Like, you know, to me, it's just going into the gym and playing. Like, I love training. I love eating healthy because I just, it's it's all a game to me. So I play a game with myself like, like okay, we're going to eat this. It's like medication. It's not food, but it's just medication. We need this medication to progress forward. And so I play a game with myself when it comes to nutrition. Training, I just love it. I love lifting. I love going into the gym and just... I love the environment, you know, there's beautiful people in the gym. <laughs> it's you know? so true. So many motivated people, successful people. Um, and e even if you're not like a motivated, successful person, I respect you so much for being in the gym. Uh, even if it's your first day there and maybe you're still overweight or whatever, but I respect so many, uh, anyone that's in there working on themselves. Um, I have huge, huge amounts of respect for it. But yeah, massive respect for you doing all of that, man. And <laughs> with the fire service, do you have like any interesting short stories that you can share on that? Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of interesting story because I've done 23 years. I mean, the the, the most um, interesting story that I would love to touch on is, uh, you know, obviously what happened with Grenfell, um, you know, the big fire in London and the, and the big tower block. You know, obviously the investigation is still going on, but I spent three days there um, with my colleagues and working alongside the Metropolitan Police Um you know, DVI team, which is disaster victim identification team to bring out all the dead bodies for the families to rest at peace. So, I mean, it breaks my heart because I grew up in West London and that Grenfell Tower, my old boxing club was at the bottom of it. Dell Youth Boxing Club where I boxed. So when I look at it, it just breaks my heart. It really does that people, innocent people died, um, you know, in that building and it still brings tears to my eyes because I just feel like those people didn't deserve to die. So it's been something that I'm still dealing with. It's still something that I'm, I feel like I still need to go and have a bit more therapy on because it's something that I can't erase the things that I've seen. And it's really painful um, element of what we do. And also for me now as an individual, I just feel like, Again, this is me being critical of myself. I'm not going to use the word we because I don't think it's right for me to say I don't think we did enough. I don't think I did enough on the day, you know, to work hard enough to assist the Metropolitan Police, to assist my colleagues. I just don't feel like I did enough. But that's just me being critical, you know, and that's the sort of person I am. I just feel, again... I love the fire service for everything that it stands for because we all support each other. Like we all believe in the strongest link, the, the weak, the, the, the team's only as strong as the weakest link. So we always believe in assisting one another to be stronger at incidents. And the fire service offers counseling 
advice and counselling for anyone that needs it. And it's a good service and, you know, something I definitely need to tap into myself. And with that kind of thing, like Grenfell was, Grenfell was so heartbreaking. Like yeah. It, it just, it was unnecessary. It shouldn't have happened ever. Um, and from an outsider's perspective, I remember when it was happening, I was like, this, it can't be fucking real. Mm. That's what it felt like. Um, but with that side of things in the fire service, obviously this is, this is probably something that you go through quite a lot in terms of uh, injured people, dead bodies, that kind of stuff. Is there an element of you have to be desensitised to it? To, to be able to do that, that you're, you're so right when it comes to work I'm very desensitized to it I'm very very it doesn't affect me as much because when I go to work it's work yeah so like it's, it's it's weird to say it when I see dead bodies I just think like they're sleeping you know let's just get them out they're sleeping you know and that's the way I process it and I think it's very hard like I can't attach myself to a particular incident you know it's a numerous of incidents that i've been to like for example um we go to a lot of um people jumping in front of trains to commit suicide in london so i don't like going on underground because of that i don't enjoy it i don't enjoy going especially the picket lily line because you have to go underground and the smell just reminds me of all the incidents that i've been to on the Piccadilly line in London. So for me, there's certain things within the job that's affected me till today that I've never really discussed openly. Um, and probably this is the first time I'm discussing this openly, but it's something that you have to kind of desensitize yourself from. Don't be so sensitive to it. Don't let it affect you. And you've just got to get on with it because you don't want to be that firefighter at an incident that cannot be any good to anyone. Yeah, I think that's so important, isn't it? That you you have to desensitize because otherwise you're you're almost going to be a danger. Exactly. <clears throat> you're not going to be able to make the the efficient decisions that you need to, or and that you know in, in that line of work, it, it truly is life or death. It's it's not coaching. <laughs> no. Um, it, it truly is life or death. Yeah. So I I, I respect that so much, man. Um, and how much how much do you think you've you've taken from the fire service and that's gone into your physique or your, your business or the discipline that we were talking about earlier? I think for me, um, like I always say that I stay ready so I never have to get ready. The big part of my job requires physical, physical fitness. So for me, I don't want my physical fitness to let me down on the fly ground or the reason why my colleagues don't go home to their loved ones. So I work particularly hard to keep fit so I can actually carry out my job to the best of my ability. So I think the element of discipline is to stay fit, stay healthy so I can carry out my job because it's a physical job. You know, 60% of what we do is all physical, you know. And I want to be a role model for my colleagues as well to stay fit for their job. Because if I'm going in the gym at work, staying fit or coming into work, talking about exercising, talking about healthy eating, I might inspire someone at work who wants to take that leap of leap to kind of be more of a healthy individual. And I'm always encouraging my colleagues to eat more healthy and be more, you know, just be more aware of, you know, exercising, be more aware of their nutrition and what they're consuming every day. Yeah, I think that's that's a true leader mm. right there. Is you know leading from the front. It's not, 
do as I say, do, do as I do. Walk, walking the walk as well as talking the talk, um, which is which is really good. Um, yeah, what what other lessons potentially do you think that may, maybe the tragedies in Grenfell and stuff like that? What lessons do you think that you've learned from that? One of the biggest lessons that I've learned in general is that tomorrow's not promise. Mm. Like live your life to the fullest. Make sure that you know you tell your loved ones how much you love them. Um, you know, and just live your life to the fullest because one of the most important thing you've got to realize is that, you know, anything can happen at any time to anyone. And we all plan our lives that we're going to live to, we're 90, 80, 100 years old, but anything can happen at any time. So definitely live your life to the fullest. The biggest lessons that I've learned and the biggest advice I can give you is make sure you tell your loved ones how much you love them and how much they mean to you every single day mm. because that's important you know and i just think those people didn't didn't think they were going to they were going to perish and it's something that i think is very important and i don't want to put any i don't want to say anything i shouldn't say but i want to make sure that their soul rest in peace and they are you know in a better place now you know yeah it's so so true um we get so caught up in the day-to-day like rat race of life and the busyness of life that sometimes we, we do forget to just live and be fulfilled and enjoy and be grateful and love people like we forget to do it i'm, I'm guilty of it myself sometimes um there was, there was this one moment a couple of years ago where i was on the phone to my girlfriend she was in the car she had a, a car crash while i was on the phone to her really fucking like scared me like scared me shitless mm. I didn't hear, hear anything for about 10 seconds just heard a big crash and then heard her starting crying I was like oh my fucking god thank fuck um, but it's like in that 10 seconds it's like holy shit I didn't tell her I loved her today or mm. it's like you think about everything that uh, if if that was like the last time I spoke to her it's like oh fuck like I could have been such a better guy for that week or that month um, so I think that's that's such an important lesson for probably myself as well as the listeners is is do again? It comes back to enjoying the journey as well, right? Because tomorrow is not promised. You might you might be hit by a bus tomorrow. Definitely, yeah. I think I think a lot of people, we all have a, a perception on on life and how it's going to play out. And I think what you've got to realize is that life may not play out the way you want it to play out. But what you've got to do is enjoy the journey, and make the right decision today to put you in a better place tomorrow. Because you know, if you're one question, I would definitely say for someone to ask themselves is that, what would your life look like in five years' time? Okay, would it be better off? Would it be in the same place? You know, would it be worse off? You know, if the answer is that your life's going to be worse off, then action is needed. But look at your life. Just don't look at your health and fitness goals solely. We're not talking about health and fitness goals here. We're talking about your life as a whole. So we're talking about your family life your working life, your financial life, you know, everything, every aspect of your life, how would it look in five years' time? I know it's a tough question to ask yourself, but how would it look? Because if the if it's going to look worse in five years' five years times, then all of the decisions that you're making now needs to change. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be in the same position in five years' time, again, all of the decisions that you're making today needs to change. You know, you want it to be better, you don't want to be in the same position that you are now in five years' time. But 
decisions that you make and your actions that you do on a day-to-day basis today is laying the bricks. And if it's not going to be, the trajectory of your life isn't going to be better off, then you're heading in the right direction. And it's not too late to change direction. You know, as long as you know the direction you want to head in. You know, this is very important that a lot of people are just waking up and just literally on autopilot every day, not even living. It's so, so true. And that goes to successful people and unsuccessful people as well. Mm. People forget to live. They really do. Um, and it is because we, we feel like tomorrow's promise, but it, but it's not. Um, and I think that's so important. Like Even very, very successful people that we work with, is that they get so caught up and they're so so busy that they forget to act, they forget that they're a person almost and they forget to look after themselves and they're always chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing but they're never going to catch that that thing and they just forget to like be in the moment and be happy sometimes mm. and be still um, so yeah that that's an amazing 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 piece of advice um, I think I think that's a good place to to probably wrap wrap up where we are so uh, well thank you so much for coming on the podcast man it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, to chat and it'd be great to have you back sometime as well because I think the conversations that we always have are amazing um, just before we go uh, for anyone listening to this that's trying to better themselves whether that's in fitness whether it's business whether it's health and relationships whatever it is what's one piece of advice that you you can leave them with I think when it comes to looking at being better bettering yourself in all aspects of life stay consistent that's one thing that I would leave you with. Stay consistent. When even things don't go your way, stay consistent. You know, just keep staying consistent with everything that you're doing. You know, if you can wake up at 6 a.m., stay consistent. If you're hitting the gym three times a week, stay consistent. If you're eating healthy, stay consistent. If you're showing your your your, your wife or husband love, stay consistent. If you're a good mother, looking after your kids really well, stay consistent. You know, don't do it for a week and then do it then then don't do it for a month. Mm. Consistency in all aspects of life is the best advice I can give anyone listening to this podcast. I love that man. Mm. Thanks so much for coming on. Not a problem. Cheers, buddy. Bless you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go get some food. Yes. <laughs>